you found a list of the best places to live. We know Southwest Michigan's great, but of course, they're going on all of the cities and towns all across the nation. What's the criteria here? Yeah, so the criteria, this is the U.S. News and World Report okay. reveal. They have the 23, 24 best places to live U.S. rankings. They released it yesterday. It compares the top 150 most populous areas, okay. metro areas okay. in the U.S. So they base it on affordability, quality of life, desirability, and the job market. So okay. they, they, what they say is they, they look at the areas and they base their rankings um, on the details that people consider, quote unquote, most carefully when moving somewhere new. Hmm. Cost of living, weather, uh, some of the factors like air quality, access to health care, very important. So they've got the list. Okay. The list is out. <sighs> yeah, 150 of them. 150. Of them. Well, they looked at the top 150 okay, metro areas, right, but they ranked right. them. And so, so top 10. Any guesses uh, who's in the top 10? I'm looking at the list. Oh, are you I'm, looking I'm, at the I'm, list? I'm, Johnny. I, I will, I'll admit. Thank I, you for disclosing. I scrolled through. <laughs> I scrolled through. Uh, top 10. Uh, are any of them in Michigan? No. None of them. Unfortunately. Okay. Top 10. I'm going to say. From what I know, I'd say some Charlotte, North Carolina has got to be in there. Uh, Charlotte, North Carolina is number eight. Number eight. Number all right. Eight. My yes. brother lives near there, so I know okay. that's a great spot. Very good. It covers all those bases of the, the factors. Okay. Um, yeah. Bo Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho is not in the top ten list. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Kansas City. Is not in the top ten list. Memphis, Tennessee. Not in the top okay. 10 list. All right, here's... <laughs> those here's, are places I'd like to live. First, let's go in the top 10, and then we'll talk about those that are in Michigan. Okay. That, and how they ranked. So at number 10, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Number 9, Colorado Springs, Colorado. And number 8, as you so accurately guessed, Charlotte, North Carolina. Nice. Number 7, Portland. Okay. Maine. Oh. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah, Portland, Maine. Portland, Oregon on there as well? Uh, no, Portland's oh. not in the top 10. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> I'm just laughing at the Oregonians. Uh. Uh, Florida has Naples and Sarasota Wait, at they number six and number five. They call them Oregonians? Oregonians. Oregonians. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Oregon, Oregonian. I did not know that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, they have a newspaper out new. there. The Oregonian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, say that five times fast. Uh, Boulder, Colorado is at number four. Raleigh and Durham, North Carolina, number three. Huntsville, Alabama is number two. And topping the list, a new one, um, as the U.S. News and World Report, best place to live in the United States right now, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Ooh. Green Bay, Wisconsin. Love Green Bay. Yeah. Yeah, they said uh, for a handful of years, it's been near the top 10 in its rankings, uh, but it pushed up to the top this year based on housing affordability, low crime, high air quality. And also because Aaron Rodgers left the town. Because so, the Packers yeah, had that thing go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so uh, cities in Michigan, here's how they ranked. Ann Arbor ranked at number 14. Not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, Grand Rapids at number 20. Lansing came in at number 83. Kalamazoo, number 90. Detroit, now remember, we're at the top 150 mm -hmm. of the most populous metro areas. Yeah. Detroit's at 114. Okay. And Still then not bad. Flint <laughs> made the list at 130. Not bad. Yeah, so there All you right. go.
There you go. Uh, Chicago was at 123 for those uh, keeping score. Gotcha. And Indianapolis came in at number 68. Milwaukee in there? Uh, they're in there somewhere. Somewhere? Yeah, okay. I, didn't, I didn't keep track where they were. All right. Well, that, those are pretty good spots. U.S. And, News and World Report. And remind me the criteria, what, what, what ranked them? We were, we, they, they were looking at affordability. Of the the overall, you know, how how mm-hmm. how how much is a loaf of bread all the way to how much is your house? Quality of life, desirability, and the job market. Okay. Yeah. Hard to find a bad job market right now, though. Right. That's true. That is tough. Anywhere you go. North Carolina had like four in there in the top ten, I think three or at uh, least three. They that's... had Raleigh and Durham, and yeah. then they had Charlotte. Wow. Yeah. Good yeah. spots. North Carolina. And they've got a nice coastline, too. I, I call it North Kakalaki. It is North Kakalaki. Yeah, yeah my, it's beautiful. My brother lives down there. It's a cool spot. Uh, great places to to live, I've of never, course. <laughs> and then a lot of great businesses down there oh, as yeah. well. There's a lot of uh, financial uh, businesses and like even in the Charlotte area. So A lot of financial, a lot of uh, education, mm-hmm. healthcare, and uh, agriculture. Tons yeah. of agriculture. You can drive oh, some yeah. tobacco crops there. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, so how, how do we uh, get ourselves up higher on that list? Uh, we lower the price of houses. <laughs> <laughs> lower the price of bread and eggs. It is nice to see Kalamazoo uh, in there as well. That's nice. Yeah. Um, other things going on in the news. Uh, speaking of cool things, uh, the St. Joe Farmer's Market, that's returning uh, May next weekend. Yeah. Yep, Looking yep. forward to that. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about this uh, thing that's going on in the Niles? Noisy the noisy thing in Niles? Yeah. So I live in Niles. Yep. Uh, and even Ryan Younger asked me that. He's like, do you hear the noises? <laughs> and I will say a lot of the Facebook pages, they've uh, a lot of people have said that there's a lot of noise coming from the natural uh, gas plant yeah, in deck. that was built uh, just a little while ago. Yeah. Um, and they said going into this that the it was mainly going to be the noise was just going to come from construction and all that and you might there might be a whir yeah like that is that what it's supposed to sound like <laughs> the problem is is some kind of low frequency noise that just continues on and on it's like a constant low frequency hum people describe it as irritating and that it's coming from the plant and so Indec Natural Gas Power Plant in Niles has shut down this week mm. to address the noise issue okay yeah We've got an airport right by there too. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of noise already coming from the area, so I don't. I don't know why people are uh, getting upset about it. But uh, we'll have to wait and see what ends up happening with that. Now, I, now I need to drive by <coughs> and <laughs> report and see when they do turn everything back on if the noise is still there. On its website, Indec uh, says we sincerely apologize for this, and we want to assure the residents that we're committed to solving the problem. As soon as possible, and it will provide updates as it will. Hmm. Yeah, it opened last summer, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to hearing more about that. I oh, was hearing, say, hearing more, hearing more, <laughs> and 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 seeing more, and all of that. Around an hour, we'll be talking with uh, Shokwe Pitchford from the uh, Berrien County Commission about uh, seagulls. That's right. <laughs> seagulls. Let's just call them seagulls. They Are might they be from seagulls? The sea. Are they gulls? They could be lake gulls. That's going to be the top question. Yeah, I don't know. No, it's actually going to be a, a lot of things because uh, he's on a mission to uh, to do something about the Orchard Mall. He's heard the, the people complaining for a long time about the Orchard Mall. What's happening with it? Why is there like maybe one business in it left? Mm-hmm. Uh, the parking lot looks like a moonscape, you know, of craters. The seagulls have uh, taken roost there. 
there are a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever driven around Orchard's Mall in the recent months, but a ton of seagulls. It's like an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's great. It is crazy. Uh, so, yeah, we'll learn more uh, about his plan and also the plan that uh, he's supposed to be getting from the, the owners of the Orchard Small. Uh, but right now it's time for Got Something to Say. Uh, it's brought to you by our friends, United Federal Credit Union. We get you. My guest today, Jamie Brooks from Casa of Southwest Michigan. Jamie, how are you? I am great. How are you, Johnny? Doing fantastic. Always love talking with you and learning more about the the cool stuff that you guys are doing at Casa of Southwest Michigan, helping uh, kids uh, right here in our community do a, a, do some great stuff. Uh, and so tell me a little bit more for people that maybe have never heard our conversations uh, about Casa, what exactly Casa is? Sure. Well, to understand what CASA is, you have to understand why CASA does what CASA does. We have about 300 kids in Berrien County, you know, right now in our neighborhoods, in our schools, who are in foster care also. And they're in foster care because what was going on in home was so dangerous, um, so unsafe, that they can't be there. And so what happens is they're placed into foster care. And when that happens, they kind of enter a no man's land. They're in a you know a home, hopefully, or an institution, but they're moving all about. You know, they're changing schools and they're changing families and they're changing everything that they know. And we know how hard that change is. And those changes happen over and over and over again while kids are in foster care. And so they need one person to really get to know them who knows what they've been through, who knows what they're going through who knows what can help, who's seen them in action, who's seen them at their best and their worst. And that's really what our CASA volunteers do. They are trained by our organization and supervised. You know, we we have our hands in this all the time with our volunteers, but they get to know these children and know how incredible they are and how resilient they are, but also to know what they need while they're in foster care to make sure they get the very best services, that those needs are recognized, that things don't fall through the cracks, and that they know that they have one person in the foster care system that will stay with them throughout this whole journey, which you know can last years, um, that, will, that will know their story, that will know who they are, that will be able to speak for them, both in the courtroom and in the community, and help them get what they need so that they can feel safe and actually be safe. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the training, and I know there's a good a good amount of training that goes on and, and assistance for anybody that is a, a CASA or court-appointed special advocate. Uh, you work with them regularly, and you actually have some training coming up we'll mention. But um, tell me a little bit about uh, maybe some of the, the CASAs that have been a part of your organization and, and maybe uh, share some stories of maybe some of the, the kids that they've been able to help out. Oh my goodness, Johnny, we have the best story this month for you. You know, our program started in Berrien County in 2016. And in 2016, one of the first cases we ever got was for a young boy. Um, And that young boy had been through just everything. You know, anything bad that you can imagine has happened to this child. And his foster care experience really wasn't much better because of the trauma that he had suffered. You know, he had many different homes and many different schools and, you know, many different everything, just like I talked about. In fact, this kiddo had over 22 different workers 
uh, just in the time that we had been with him, he had had 13 different places he lived. Wow. At over 10 schools. You can imagine, you know, from ages about five to about 11, that's what his life looked like. Um, but in that time, I can't say he only had one casa, but he had two. Um, wow. That's great. And one of the things that was really important and the end result of this wonderful story is that this month, this child will be adopted oh. and he will be adopted by a home that is over the moon in love with him, who is meeting every need that he has. Um, and he is just thriving there. But what Casa brought to that, besides, you know, just being there for this child all the time, you know, in different institutions in different communities, this child was all over the state and we were right there by his side. And in the course of those years that we were with him, we knew this child. We knew what he'd been through. We knew what worked for him. We knew what didn't work for him. So when he finally got to the point where this final home that we weren't sure was going to be his final home started to happen, you know, one of the things that Casa did is insist that everybody come to the table and talk about what this child needs to be successful before he stepped foot in this home. So we you know, we looked at everything that had worked in the past for him and everything that we thought we, he needed right now. And we said, let's put this stuff into place, everybody. And that sounds like a pretty obvious thing to do, but it's really something that is not done very often. Mm -hmm. um, and because those services were implemented, because he had a great foster home, because he had a great team of workers around him, and because he had consistent CASAs, he got those services. Um, the home life just thrived, you know, it was better than anything he'd ever been in in the past for lots of reasons. It worked out. He not only is safe in this home, but in his heart and in his mind, he feels safe in this home. And that is, you know, the first step to leading a happy, healthy, yeah. productive life. And so we are always sad to see our kids go, but sure. we are so happy when it happens. Um, and we need more CASAs to help us do this work. Um, we have a waiting list of children. We have, you know, amazing community members who I know are out there who want to help them. And we'd love to talk to you. Absolutely. Certainly uh, offering the consistency in an ever-changing world for these kids. You certainly do that with CASA. Um, and so uh, how can someone get involved if they want to be, if they feel in their heart that they, they feel like they have the at least some of the skills to uh, to start being a CASA, and then you guys can help uh, fill in the gaps with the training. Um, how do they go about doing that? And then when's the next training? Sure, sure. Well, you know, for anybody who wants to do this, we know that you come to us with a very limited, if any, knowledge of foster care, even of kids in general. Yeah. That is just fine. We will take you from where you begin, and we will train you both in our 30-hour pre-service training, but all along the journey, you're never doing this alone. And if it's something that interests you, even piques your interest just a little bit, feel free to give us a call um, or go to our website and poke around a little bit. It kind of gives some great information. That website is CASA, S-W-M-I, so C-A-S-A-S-W-M-I.org, or give us a call, 269-934-3707. Um, or send me an email. My email's right on that website. We'd love to have a conversation with you. And trust me, it's a no pressure conversation. Uh, we want it to be right for our volunteers because we're asking you to do a really big job. Absolutely. Yeah. And they do a really great job. The cost of volunteers that you already do have, um, then 
and uh, you definitely need some more. Um, so definitely want, if anybody has that need or uh, want or that desire to be able to help these kids, uh, you can certainly uh, learn more at your website. And also maybe if they maybe don't have enough time uh, to dedicate into to being a full-on CASA volunteer, there's also other ways that they can help CASA do the great work that you guys do in, in volunteering for various things, right? Absolutely. We have a couple of opportunities that are not necessarily advocate volunteer positions, uh, but really help us in pushing this needle forward. One of them is our Friends of CASA group, and they help us with outreach. They help us with planning events, um, you know, just another set of eyes and ears for the organization to really help us do the best job that we can reaching out to the community. Um, that is something that maybe takes five hours a month helping us out. We are also always looking for like a social media guru, somebody who loves to do social media, who'd love to do some posts and some, I don't know, all the backend things that you do on sure. social media that, um, you know, if you, particularly if you're a college kid, you might not be able to be a CASA volunteer. You might be a little too young, but you'd be a great social media guru for us. And so we'd love to talk to you about that. That's really great. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, these college kids, they know a lot about that stuff. And, and, and maybe a lot of your people on your team either don't have the time or like the full on knowledge of how to make that work. But having somebody that does know those things and knows those skills is just another vehicle, another way for CASA to get the message out about what's going on with uh, a various number of things and telling those stories. So we certainly, uh, Think uh, I know there's people out there that want to be a part of uh, the great work that CASA does, whether it be uh, as an actual CASA themselves or uh, maybe a volunteer for the Friends of CASA or, like you said, social media guru or anything in between. Um, Jamie, how do they reach out to you and get more information about any of that stuff? I know you mentioned the website, but let's hit that stuff one more time. Absolutely. Our website is CASASWMI.org. You can reach out to me, Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at org. I'd love to talk to you. Or you can give us a buzz, 269-934-3707. Awesome. Jamie, as always, I always love talking to you and learning more about the great work that you and all the, the great CASA volunteers are doing uh, and all the cool stuff happening at CASA of Southwest Michigan. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for helping us spread the word about these kids. And you can always give me a buzz, uh, 925-WSJM, uh, as well as uh, Let's Talk at WSJM.com. And you can be part of Got Something to Say. You can always check out the podcast at WSJM.com and the app uh, and Got Something to Say. Also, you can hear it in the afternoon at 530 after news with Andrew Green. And it's brought to you by United Federal Credit Union. We get you. Uh, we will be uh, talking with uh, Shokwe Pitchford a little bit later on uh, this this morning. Uh, also, we'll catch you up with uh, quite a lot of other things that are going on in the, uh, That's in right. the world. And if you happen to be driving on Napier Avenue, just know, if you're familiar with it, you've seen a lot of the sidewalk construction that's been happening. Mm -hmm. And it's been on the south side of the street for the longest time. Well, they've got the sidewalk on the south side of the street done. It looks great. It looks great. Mm -hmm. um, I see people using it. I even saw somebody riding their bicycle on it this oh, morning. Oh, nice. Yes. At, you know, whatever ungoshly hour it was this morning. But they've now moved the cones. Okay. And so they're on the other side of the street. So traffic, pay attention. The cones have moved. <laughs> You're going to have to right. navigate it kind of an, a 
new route this morning. Interesting. Good. Yeah. And it's nice to see that progress. It is happening good to see so the progress. Quickly. Yeah, the sidewalk will be going in on the north side. It should be done in about five weeks now. Sweet. Yeah. It's they're nice sidewalks. They're big. They're big sidewalks. I think the the one on the north side is going to be six feet wide. Okay. You know, so that's not not bad. It's nice. Very nice. And it's a safety issue. Yeah. And it's nice to see. It's yeah. definitely going to it's going to make things uh really really awesome for the residents and for people that are wanting to you know explore and go ride their bike or something <laughs> feel a lot safer riding my bike on those those sidewalks than trying to do that on napier avenue yeah on the street lots of things to talk about this morning uh good news or bad news what do you want uh this one put a smile on your face at first when you see the picture yeah of this adorable little uh, it's a pygmy hippo that's what it's called that's All right. what it's called. Yeah. So this is at what zoo? Grand Rapids John Ball Zoo's new uh, new new installation. They have an area there for a pygmy hippo, and they thought, let's put this new antelope in there, a swamp-dwelling antelope. I think it's called a sitatunga. Okay. A sitatunga. So it, it, it's an antelope, basically, that likes to live in the swamp. Hmm. Um, yeah, there was an issue. Okay. There was a problem there. You want they to talk didn't, about They it? didn't like each other? Well... Uh, the, the zoo curator uh-huh. said zoo staff were really excited because they had this brand new enclosure area set up for these two animals to live in there. Mm-hmm. And they introduced them to each other for the first time yesterday. And the the exhibit was going to open on June 2nd. It was kind of a hippopalooza. Hippopalooza? Hippopalooza <laughs> okay. event. And it was gonna, it was gonna have uh, two pygmy hippos, mm-hmm. two European white storks, and Chopper the Sitatunga, the antelope. All right. And so they introduced the pygmy hippo to the Sitatunga, and uh, it says after successful visual introductions between Chopper and the pygmy hippo throughout the last month, uh, staff were attempting a controlled introduction of the pygmy hippo with Chopper inside the habitat when the hippo suddenly attacked. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, zoo staff tried to separate the animals immediately, uh, but the animal care team uh, had to provide emergency care to the Sitatunga, and efforts to resuscitate Chopper were unsuccessful. Oh, no. Yeah, so the pygmy hippo did not like his new roommate. I mean, I'm not a zoologist. (laughs) I don't know how certain animals interact with other animals in yeah. the wild, yeah. but a hippo and an antelope just doesn't seem like that's a good mix. It's like a cat and a dog. I Not mean, a good idea. You see them, you see them on the open safari yeah. shows. National Geographic and all National that stuff. National Geographic, yeah. all the all the reality shows that are that take place out in the in the you know, the the sure. large open, uh, unfettered areas mm-hmm. where they can kind of claim their territory and say, okay, this is my space. That's your space. We'll live together like that. Apparently this space wasn't large enough. So what's the name? So the name of the antelope is <laughs> Chopper. Yeah. yeah. What's the name of the hippo? I Cause don't know. I feel like that one should have been <laughs> named Chopper. I don't know that he gets a name now. Oof. Uh, Jahari. 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 Yeah. Oh man. Jahari did not like Chopper. That's uh, that's unfortunate. Chopper got chopped. So then, obviously, they're going to delay any they're, exhibit. Uh, probably a full review of the incident is underway, according uh-huh. to the, the zookeepers. There, and per animal care protocol and procedure, uh, the zoo um, has tried this many times. They're going to thoroughly prepare for this introduction again.
man. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like hippos, because I know hippos are adorable. They they are, but they're darn dangerous, as and you can they're see. They're very dangerous. Yeah. They're big, and they, they can get really ornery. I think it's because they're so rounded. It's deceptively friendly looking. Right. They're like, oh, it's just a chubby It's not like animal. an alligator it's or cute. a crocodile. I mean, those right. have sharp edges. They have big teeth. They, you know, they hiss at you and stuff. Yeah. Hippos, it's like, oh, yeah, friendly. Right. Hungry, hungry hippo. Let's play a game. Yeah, let's have fun. And, <laughs> yeah, and even in the cartoons and stuff, they yeah. usually have the hippos are very fun. And, yeah. Yeah, you got to be careful with any of the zoo animals of, of making sure. I feel like introducing them is always a very, I mean, because there are some animals that as they are, you know, acclimated in the zoos, they do get, you know, there's certain animals that are like, these animals would not get along in the wild, but they get along just fine in the zoo. Yeah. Um, so that's. Uh, man, so anyway, it's really a little unfortunate. bit a little bit of zoo life there. Uh, some other things in the news. Uh, you notice that. Uh, our oh, yeah. Google accounts are going to get deleted? Well, not all of them. No, 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 no. Um, inactive accounts. Okay. So Google says, hey, there's a lot of threats out there. And, you know, there's phishing, there's spam, there's all kinds of cyber risk uh, available. And they say to reduce the risk, they're updating their inactive policy for Google accounts. Mm. So if you have a Google account, and you've not used it for two years, you haven't signed in for two years, okay. they say, mm, we're going to delete that because it's a security risk. Mm. Somebody could get into it. You know, your old password might be password one, two, three, four or something like <laughs> that. And, and they say, okay, that's a risk because somebody could uh, portray you, mm -hmm. fish, scam, do whatever. And so they're going to get rid of them starting in December of this year. So if you have a Google account and you've not signed in for a couple of years, they're going to start deleting them in December. Yeah, and that means all the stuff that's connected to that oh, that yeah. email will also get disconnected and not work properly. Yeah, uh, photos, files, whatever, um, anything in that account will get deleted. Your Netflix login, because <laughs> you log in with an email on a lot of those streaming right. services. And they usually, if you're logging into a new device, and that's another thing, is that Google... They have the multi-step verifications. Oh, yeah. If I log into my Google account on a computer that they don't recognize, they send me a text or something. So you if know, you're not active. It's a very good point. You know, they may be trying to uh, get people, to, more and more people to do mm -hmm. that two-step authentication mm -hmm. uh, because the old accounts, they didn't have it. Right. Uh, you didn't see that. But no. and, and there's an option to turn it on or off. But a lot of people with the old accounts are not turning it on. Um, so anyway, Google says December 2023, that's the earliest they'll begin deleting inactive user accounts. They say the simplest way to prevent your account from being deleted is to sign into your account. So Seems simple. Yeah. Sign into your account sometime before December 2023. Otherwise, they're going to take a phased approach and start deleting accounts. They say before deleting any accounts, they'll send multiple notifications over the months, months leading up to a deletion, uh, both the account email and address and the recovery email if one has been provided. Yeah. Well, definitely don't want to wait till the last minute and procrastinate on that one. Definitely no. get that, uh, especially if you've got a cool email. Oh, yeah. If you've got a really cool email, you want to hold on to that? Like Chopper Hippo. Yeah. I, I'm <laughs> one, gonna, two, three. I'm going to look up Chopper123 and see if that, that's on there. Um, but speaking of not procrastinating, if you want to renew your uh, your passport this year, you better, uh, you better do that sooner oh, rather no. than later because uh, they say... 
an unprecedented amount of people oh. are going to be renewing their passports. And the State Department says, you better get in line because it's going to take a while. They're was, expecting to process a record number of passports. Oh, no. It was already taking a long yeah. time. Yeah. That's oh, going to no. be even more. Oh, boy. Um, even more than the uh, 22 million they printed last year. They also reminded international travelers that most countries uh, won't let you in if your passport expires in less than six months. Uh -huh. So even if it's not expired, they're not going to let you in. Oh, dear. I don't have a passport. Oh, you better get So one. I guess I'm stuck here in the U.S. for a while. <laughs> a lot of good places to travel here in the U.S. Yeah, <laughs> there's tons of places. Tons of places. And even the, um, I need to also get the, um, what is it, the, oh, enhanced, the enhanced driver's, driver's license? license? Yeah. <sighs> you haven't got that yet? I don't have that. Oh. My was, license I think doesn't I expire yet. Yeah. yeah, I think I was forced to get it, so it's got the cute little star yeah. on it. I think it's this year, maybe, okay. that I have to do that. Make sure you get that in order. you, you got to take additional paperwork. Oh, man. Yeah, you have to take additional paperwork. Got to break all that stuff out, get that <laughs> ready. I'm just not worried. I'm procrastinating because I don't want to stand in line for mm -hmm. so long. Because that's always the worst part, when you're standing in line with the Secretary of State and then... You know, they do that initial, what are you here for? What oh, do yeah. you got? And then, you know, to, to save them the time and frustration, they say, do you have this, 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 and this? No. <laughs> All right, come back. And then the, the, the awkward part is when you go there and you have to stand in that square. Yes. Oh, you're back. <laughs> uh, you forgot something, didn't you? And you, but you, but you get to skip the line. That's nice. You do get to skip the line if you if you forgot something, waited in line once. They don't make you wait in the line again. But you know that those people are the ones that they waited in line. Oh, yeah. They'd been there They're probably angry. half the day. They finally got up to the person to say, "Hey, what do you what are you here for?" And then they realized maybe they didn't have a certain piece of paperwork, and they had yeah. to drive all the way back home. Yeah. Come back and stand in that awkward square. Oh. That's weird. It is weird. I like to stare at those people that are in the square. I'm like, hmm, in the square, Maybe huh? you could get there a little early and just rearrange the chairs in the waiting area yeah. to all face the square. Absolutely. Kinda I like think it. that's a great idea. Yeah. I, I think also I should bring a boom box and we should play, uh, you know, the chair game. The, the What's that? Musical about? chairs? Yeah, musical chairs. Yeah. Musical chairs. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be great. Get the people out of the box. Absolutely. <laughs> Good stuff. We have a special guest in studio right now, Berrien County Commissioner Shokwe Pitchford. Welcome. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Good thank morning. Thank you for coming. We appreciate it. Uh, we thought we'd bring you in because you've been very active and very vocal on the Orchards Mall situation. Yeah. Uh, for those who aren't aware of the Orchards Mall, uh, yes, there is a mall <laughs> in Benton Township. It's still there. It's still there. The building structure is there, but uh, there, there may be maybe one business tenant left. I think the post office is still there and that's about it. Yep. Uh, other than 3,572,000 seagulls, <laughs> maybe not exactly. Have you been that. keeping track? Well, I got a little scorecard here. <laughs> so, so potholes in the parking lot, no businesses in the mall, a lot of seagulls. You've been focused on this issue. You've been in touch with the mall owners. Give us an update on kind of the lay of the land. Where is it at right now? So, a few months ago, I had a county commission meeting, said pretty publicly that that mall needed to be raised. Yeah. And from that public comment, I got a call from the owners of the mall, and they're like, we want to talk to you because you're one of the first people that we've seen come out pretty publicly and say that you want to do this. Yeah. 
of course, it's a private property. It would have to go through a court. It would have to be condemned. Mm -hmm. But sitting down with them was the goal. And what I told them was this community is far too much of a jewel for us to continue to allow this property to decay to this fashion. Mm-hmm. You don't see this in too many places, usually congregated in black communities yeah. where you see a property get to the point where there are 10, 15, 20,000 seagulls mm-hmm. attacking your cars as you yeah. drive by. So after we had that conversation and some real heart to hearts about what I see for the vision of this community and what we want to see in the vision and the future of this community. We got to a point where I'm like, put a proposal in my hand. Tell me what you want to do with this property. What are the barriers holding you back? If it's local, if it's state, if it's federal, let's try to find a way to work through it. But I know in the long run for whatever organization this is, your vested interest is making sure this property makes you money. Mm-hmm. And it's not making you any money and it's not serving the community the way it is right now. Yeah, because for, for a very long time, the the property has sat there. It's It's gone into disrepair in some cases. Mm-hmm. There was a mattress store that was there, suffered a water break, suffered water damage, had to move out and, and basically said, I, I've got to. I've got to close my business because I can't do business in that location anymore. A lot of people point to the property tax delinquency mm-hmm. that they've had, unpaid sewer bills. I mean, what, what gives you hope that they're going to turn a page and do something new? The amount of communication that I'm getting. They are upfront about where they have been wrong. The property tax issue, maintenance. A lot of excuses were thrown out at first. You know, hey, COVID happened. We just brought the property in 2019. Mm -hmm. Next year, COVID hit us, and we haven't been able to really recover since. You know, part of me understands that. Part of me is like, all right, put your money where your mouth is today. We're in a completely different environment. And one of the first issues that I kind of pushed on them to get done was the seagull issue. I'm like, deputize me in this sense. Let me go out (laughs) and find you a company that specializes in this work. Right. I went out, contacted with BirdX, got some great responses from the people that worked there, explained the situation. We jumped on a Zoom and looked at Google Maps and zoomed down into the mall and created almost like a battle plan on how we're going to get the seagulls to disperse over the next one to four weeks. And then I called Bindi and Associates. I called Montu, who's the owner for this area. And I said, I have this proposal already ready for you. All you have to do is sign and put a check in the mail. Three days later, a check was in the mail. So I'm starting to see that there is at least the willingness on their side to play ball. And I've told them I'm willing to play ball with you as far as you are willing to be accountable to the community. Right. What are some so so they've they've put some money toward seagull remediation or gull remediation. What whatever you want to call them. I like that you call them seagulls. (laughs) I appreciate that. We got listener mail that said, don't call them seagulls. Mm -hmm. And we think we don't know where they come from, but they're here. So anyway, it is a health issue. I mean, having that many mm-hmm. the goals in yeah. the in the in the area, um, I wonder. I, I was wondering to Johnny, where do they get pushed out to if they if they have devices? Because you're talking about high frequency noises that the animals don't like. Yeah, to right? keep them away from that area. But yeah, then then where do they go? Yeah, then and that's a great question. And that's step two. Okay. Right. You're, they're going to disperse and they're going to go to other areas. And it's probably going to have to be a plan from the township on how you deal with this 10, 15,000 population of goals yeah. Yeah. dispersing off of that area. Right. But I think everyone can agree that them congregating in one area is also a problem. 
which if there is a larger environmental conversation about how we deal with that, that has to be addressed. But them also all being in one area is a huge health hazard mm-hmm. to anyone who even tries to go into that property. If you try to use the post office and you're eating a cheeseburger, you're oh probably going to get attacked oh, yeah. going up to that yeah. door. Not, not a good idea. Not a good idea. So, okay. So let's say the birds are taken care of. What next? Potholes. Okay. And between now and the 26th, we're getting that proposal. I am on them every single day about getting a company in to fill those potholes because no one can drive through there without losing a rim. Yeah. So it's really important as I'm telling them that you can't just fix the mall itself because Mm -hmm. if you put $50 million into that property, made it a pristine, shining jewel of the community, people will still be skeptical because the last four or five, six years, they've seen this property decay. There, no one believes you're going to stay in the long run. So you have to do the work now building back up your PR. And I'm not their PR guy, yeah. right? I'm not out saying they're going to do all of these things that are this perfect entity. I'm telling them they have my support as long as I see that they're making progress on this. What do they, th- what do they tell you the, the lack of progress has been due to? What do they see as their barriers? The biggest barrier they see right now, today it's inflation and how much it costs to build. Before it was COVID, and mm-hmm. they're relatively inexperienced with the community. And in all of that, you know, they have been very direct with me saying, we kind of messed up too. Sure. Right? There are properties that we own, and this one is one that we've always wanted to do something with, but we never had a perfect solution that made all the local players happy. And what they didn't have, I think, was a conduit. They didn't have someone who was working with them, looking at their plans and saying, that's not going to work for Benton Township, but I know what might. Let's get Kathy Yates to the table. Let's sit down and start to work through this. What happened before was they just pushed a plan out. They were told, no, I don't think that's going to work. And they backed off for years. Yeah. So So the next stage, I assume, is also, you you know, you do those, get rid of the goals, make the repairs to the outside, look at the building infrastructure as well. But then I'm sure there will also be skepticism when it comes to tenants and businesses wanting to uh, be in there. Because that, of course, is if the mall is going to make that investment, they, of course, think that, okay, they can recruit that investment by having more tenants and coming in. So what are you going to be able to do with that? And that what's incumbent upon me to rally the community around it. What I've told them is I need to see a plan and a proposal that has a dollar amount attached to it on how much you're going to invest in this property, and it has to be real. Step two is sitting down with our state representative, Joey Andrews, very good friend of mine, and saying, Joey, I know the 2023 budget cycle is over. 2024, let's start to have conversations about what's available at the state for economic development properties. What can we do to make sure that this this happens? And then step three is we have to engage the community, businesses, the tourist council, the hotels in the area. We have to engage everyone to say, look at this plan. If it's something that you believe economically moves Benton Township forward, that we need to get behind it. And we have to tell the residents that there's a structure and an ecosystem in place Mm -hmm. that keeps what happened before from happening again. Mm -hmm. Okay. And May 26, May 26, you're going to get their plan. Yes. And is this like a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, three-year plan, one-year plan? This plan that, they are going to get me on the 26th is a detailed proposal on what they want to do with the property, how much money they want to invest into the property. And it gives the building and grounds inspector of Benton Charter Township something to look at to see if the zoning is correct. Whether or not any zoning changes could be made, would be made, that would be up to the township and the planning commission. 
Berrien County Commissioner Shokwe Pitchford has joined us in the studio. Thank you very much for coming today. We appreciate your Thank you. coming in and talking about the Orchards Mall. And so we'll be we'll check back in with you between now and the 26th of this month to see what the mall owners come back to the table with. Very important. Uh, but other issues happening in, in Berrien County. You've been working on crime prevention initiative as well. What's the status of that? It hit kind of a, a bump in the road. Yeah. But uh, you're, you're hopeful that it'll continue. Yeah, we have this beautiful opportunity in front of in front of us to address crime and event address community violence across the board mm. when the county tabled the proposal and you know the zeitgeist of the board was that that wasn't the place for it to go and and just to, to set the stage what there was was a a, a decision on whether or not Berrien County would apply for a $2 million grant yep. uh, from the Department of Justice yep. that uh, would go to crime prevention efforts through a study. So it would help the, the county really focus in on the issue, but mm-hmm. uh, the county balked at it. Yes. And one of the beautiful things about that grant is that part of it is for planning and research, but part of it is for partnerships with local nonprofits, businesses to bolster and strengthen what's already happening in community. So I have found another applicant that's currently writing that proposal right now that wants to go public the second that they finish it because they've took all their staff and they're just like barreling into this thing because it's due by Friday. Oh, this Friday. This Friday. Okay. And... As we're talking through it, we're talking very high level about what it is that we want to do. And then there's a six-month planning process where we're going to get community leaders, stakeholders, businesses at the table and say, what are you doing at the moment to address crime in the community? And how can we, out of this $2 million, help support and stand up those initiatives? The next step is state-based CVI programs. Gretchen Whitmer has signed, I believe there's 14 to $16 million dollars just in community violence intervention prevention initiatives. We want to apply for those grants as well to be able to extend the life of this. And then also the federal that we're applying for now through the Department of Justice for $2 million, that comes back around in 2024. So there's an ability to extend this seven to 10 years financially. What roadblocks, what obstacles or, or challenges do you see? I think... One of the biggest things we're going to have to do is capacity building for community-based organizations in the Benton Harbor, Benton Township area. We have amazing nonprofits in the area that are doing great work, but the capacity to take on a $200,000 grant might not be there for somebody that just started their nonprofit Mm -hmm. one or two years ago. So there's going to have to be some capacity building. That's why as we're talking through applying for this grant, we're talking about during this planning process, beginning to beef up and create those relationships and figure out, do you need administrative support, right? Because if you and your organization can put a mentor in a young person's life, that's going to guide them from the time they're in elementary school Mm -hmm. through high school and make sure that we're rebuilding that idea that it takes a village to raise a child. If you can do that and all you need is a little administrative support for grant reporting, Mm -hmm. I think we can make that happen. And I think there are a litany of ways that the community is going to come together and say, these are the ways that we can address violence. These are the things that have been have gone unfunded and need to be propped up. And then my goal for this executive committee that we're going to put together is going to be empirically tracking community violence in Berrien County. If this program works and we start to see a reduction in community violence over the next two, three, 
four years. That's going to be a great way to go to the state legislature, to go to our elected officials and say, this worked in Berrien County. We need to replicate this across the state because we have a model here that reduces crime specifically in areas where it's most concentrated. Mm-hmm. Talking with Berrien County Commissioner Shokwe Pitchford about the Orchard Mall, about the Crime Prevention Initiative. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been great talking to you. Anything else we want to cover? Uh, we can talk. You want to talk cell tower real briefly? Yeah. I, you know, one of the things, <laughs> if I could get the cell tower people on the phone, <laughs> but I can't because the cell signals around here. Yeah, we are need so that. Spotty. We need that one guy that walks around. Uh, can you hear me now? <laughs> can you hear me now? Uh, but you you're working on some things uh, focused mainly in the the Bridgman area, correct? Yeah. So. In the southern part of the county, the county is looking at building a cell tower, and we've ran into some obstacles yeah. trying to get it up. But it is one of the county's main priorities to get a cell tower up down there. We got funding from Senator Kim Lasada, who was extremely helpful in making sure that this was a priority. And now we're looking at what's the right location, what's the right timeline, and just being being extremely focused on making that an issue. And the Council of 12, all of the commissioners are committed to making that happen. Okay, so we'll 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 follow that issue. We'll follow the Orchards Mall issue, the Crime Prevention Initiative mm-hmm. as well. A lot of great issues. Thank you so much for joining us in studio today. Thank you, uh, Berrien County Commissioner Shokwe Pitchford. I look forward to being on Waco Beach and being able to make a phone call finally. That would be nice. Uh, maybe and and then maybe Johnny and I can bring you ideas if the sound things, the deterrents don't work for the seagulls. Other ways we can get rid of them. Yeah, yeah. I got I got some ideas. Okay, All right. we'll talk about it uh, off the air. But okay. sounds good. If you want to check out uh, all the stories, uh, they'll probably be covering quite a lot of these things uh, here very soon at MoodyOnTheMarket.com. Uh, your Moody on the Market update brought to you by Insurance Management Service. Call IMS today, your local auto owners agency with locations in. St. Joseph and in Niles. Uh, There was a big meeting recently uh, with um, Congress and uh, somebody that runs one of the chat GPT AI things. What what happened with that? Yeah, artificial intelligence. The open AI chief, uh, Sam Altman, was testifying before lawmakers uh, yesterday. And he, everywhere you go, Artificial intelligence is there. People are thinking about it. They're wondering, hey, is artificial intelligence going to help me do this or is it going to take my job? And, you know, so there's there's a lot of talk about artificial intelligence, how to use it, how to restrain it if necessary, and what to think about it generally. Congress wanted to know, should we regulate it? Of course, they, they want to make sure that they're doing the right thing. They've had a lot of experience with not doing the right thing mm. when it comes to regulation. I mean, I, famous quote, I think, in the early 2000s when they were talking about the Internet and net neutrality, uh, one, of the, one of the members of Congress, a senator from Alaska at the time, said, you know, the, it has to explain the Internet. Well, I think it's a series of tubes. You know, I got an Internet the other day, <laughs> and he was talking about an email. I got an Internet the other day, and sure. it took me a while because the Internet had a lot of stuff on it. So, mm. you know, I mean, it, 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 they're not experts, um, but they they do uh, enact regulations and in some cases pass legislation that becomes law that has a big impact on how we act as a society. So artificial intelligence, the question was, is it going to be like Gutenberg's printing press mm-hmm. or could it be a little bit like an atomic bomb? Like Skynet 
Terminator 2 <laughs> uh, or any Terminator movie. That's that's what I'm worried about with all that cuz you know if you if you take the artificial intelligence and you kind of just let the take the reins off and let it go about its business on the internet, oh, that yeah. can be extremely dangerous. I don't know how you throttle that back uh, and control a lot of that stuff cuz even yeah. the coding and all that stuff that you would put in the program yeah. would if it is so smart and is able to learn and reason and figure things out, something simple as, oh, well, we'll just put this line of code and that that will stop it from doing that. No, it'll figure out how to break that. Yeah. It'll figure out even if you unplug it, uh, you could even say, oh, well, now I've just put myself on the Internet. Yeah. I've seen... Countless sci-fi movies. <laughs> I think of Ultron and in, in the Marvel movies. All of these things. I Robot. Right. I Robot. Yeah. And and if you what if what happens if you take that artificial intelligence, you integrate that into some of the crazy technology of robotics that they have come out with, yeah. and the mobility that these robots have. Yeah. You got a, you got a crazy situation on your hands. All these questions on the table uh, at the at the hearing before Congress, and some of the, some of the senators were asking, "Okay, so how do you want regulation?" And Sam Altman, the the Open AI chief, said, "Yeah." regulation would be good, but let's be smart about how we do it. Mm. And he suggested commissions, uh, independent commissions, independent of the governments uh, globally to take a look at, okay, what what safeguards, to your point, mm -hmm. can we put in place to make sure that it doesn't do stuff that we don't want it to do? Right. Um, it, and it, it's on the internet, so it's not like in, in any one country or any one yeah. thing can can regulate that. I mean, you have internet regulations of different yeah. kinds in different countries, but it's global. Yeah. It's, uh, you can't stop that from well, being and on that the was internet. One of the examples is is somebody put one of the chat GPT engines on the internet, yeah. you know, because before it had the knowledge up to about 2021. Okay. Um, and, and, and so it was able to reason, not really reason, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a moment. It was able to glean from the information mm -hmm. it had certain patterns, certain answers, certain information and provide answers in response to to good prompts, good queries. And and so somebody took the most recent engine of artificial intelligence and hooked it up to the internet and said, here, online, go. Mm -hmm. Start collecting information. Tell me what you learn. And so no, Microsoft terms <laughs> Microsoft terms it, you know, but Microsoft has been investing in this open AI for a number of years. They've invested somewhere between 13 and 16 billion dollars um, to to make sure that everything was was you know being researched accordingly and, and developed accordingly and so what they've termed are a couple of different phrases one is the artificial intelligence mm -hmm. and now there's also what Microsoft talks about artificial general intelligence which is shorthand for a machine that can do anything the human brain can do and they're starting to see that in nope. some of the more advanced versions. I don't like that. I think I think what you need to do is you need to hook up. If you want to hook it up to the internet, you have to hook it up to like the old school <laughs> dial up, really slow uh, <laughs> internet that's just, you know, do, 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 do. Prodigy, yeah. <laughs> Windows 95, yeah. uh, DOS, all of that old school <laughs> system where you've got, you know, you don't have the regular hard floppy disk. You have the old floppy disk. Yeah, it's like the, five inch yeah, whatever thing. Five and a quarter inch, yeah. You stay ahead of the game then. You stay ahead of this artificial intelligence if you give it all the, the bad equipment and all the... Uh, those things. But if you, yeah, you just plug it into the, the most state-of-the-art thing, 
you're going to have some problems. What they should do is plug it into to my music list and find out how it can stop playing this one song. Mm. There's this one song that always plays when I go into the car. I don't know. It's alphabetical order, and so it plays that song. I'm really what sick song of it. is it? it? It has a curse word in it. Yeah, okay. So I can't say it, but something about a cup of coffee. Oh. <laughs> All right. All right. It's just a bleeping cup of coffee. Oh, okay. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, definitely uh, stay in the know of that. But I, I also, sidebar, um, I don't know if other people have seen what this Sam Altman guy from this chat GPT, <laughs> are we so sure that he's also not a robot? He looked artificial. He did. He looked like a, a, a meme or a generated, they're already memes, by the way. Yeah. And his name is Altman. Yes. Altman, Isn't alternative man, mm -hmm. artificial intelligence man. Yes. I, I don't know, man. Yeah. yeah. Seems a little fishy to me. So. You like you like the sports ball. What if we integrated artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. all the knowledge of the greatest sports players and coaches of all time, into a new sports ball thing? I'd watch that. And they could play each other, the artificial in battle of the artificial intelligences. So you're saying, like, you could bring back old coaches, old players yeah. from, from way back. You know, you could bring back Walter Payton and make him a, him a robot running back. You could do the best passing techniques, the running techniques, wow. the hitting techniques, everything. You could create a brand new sport, run it with artificial intelligence. I would watch that. It'd be fun. I would watch matchups. I also want racing to be like Speed Racer, where they oh, where they went on all over really in every fast. direction. Yeah, that would be cool. Too. Now you're talking Tron. Yeah, Tron. If we yeah. could make Tron, <laughs> but like not the bad parts of Tron, just like all the cool parts. If we could do that with artificial intelligence, I'd be happy. Yeah, that'd be great. The light cycle. Yeah, the, give that's me, my give favorite. Me one of those. That's my give favorite part of, of Train. Yeah, Tron. Yeah, Tron. Tron. Yes, train. train. Train is a music band. Train is the music band, and also the uh, the the cheaper version of Tron. <laughs> Before they had Tron and the light cycles, they just had, they had train, train and it just steaming to a theater near you. <laughs> We're gonna go fast, <laughs> but we need some more coal to yes, get us there. Exactly. Your Moody on the Market update brought to you by Insurance Management Service. Call IMS today, your local auto owners agency with locations in St. Joseph and in Niles. And one of our lovely contributors, Jocelyn <laughs> Tuzinski, uh, writing about uh, a pinkies out uh, <laughs> do you event. Have, do you have to drink with the pinkies out? Absolutely. It feels like you're off balance when you do that. You don't drink coffee with the pinkies out? I do not. I, uh, what I about not. tea? When you have when you have an afternoon tea, do you do afternoon tea? Uh, I do caffeinated drinks anytime. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, no, no real formal. We need to have more afternoon teas. That'd be nice. I think I, we do that sometimes at our house. Jocelyn will make a, a delicious tea. I do um, enjoy a spot of tea. Yes. A nice, spot. nice uh, um, Earl Grey. A London Fog. With a dash of milk. Oh yeah. Anyways, Some honey. Yeah. I'm getting excited about tea because we were <laughs> going to talk about uh, Apotheca Teas and That's a right. great event that they have. Um, I I live in Niles and I've not had a chance to check this place out, but I've heard great things. Uh, it's a Victorian steam, steampunk inspired tea room hmm. right there in Niles. And they're excited to host their Elven Feast. That's right. It's on the 28th of May, uh, and you needn't journey all the way across Middle Earth in search of tasty treats for the Great Hall uh, on Main Street at Apothecates. They're going to provide entertainment, sustenance, 
and an evening of delight. Sustenance. This is our third feast so far, says Laura Hollister, the proprietor. Our first was a hero's feast, followed by a dwarven feast. Nice. Rachel and Matthew plan and execute these quarterly events, and they sell well. People really enjoy the groaning tables of food, shared family style, and the fun of dressing up and being around others who enjoy the fantasy themes. That sounds like fun. Yeah, that does sound like fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, the great hall over there at a Tees is uh, they've actually expanded quite a lot over the couple yeah. of years they've been in business. Uh, it can seat 49 attendees. Wow. Uh, located above the tea shop, it's a space that once housed a ballroom, hmm. a ballet studio, and yoga studio, and the perfect space for the larger Apothecate events. The Great Hall, hmm. now adorned with glittering chandeliers and a lovely atmosphere, is also available to rent for a private party. We need to have a private tea party. That'd be fun. When, I want the little that. sandwiches with no crust, cucumbers. They, they've got those. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, do they, they put lots of mayonnaise on it? I don't know. I like the mayonnaise. You could probably suggest <laughs> that, but they have like clotted cream. They have... Uh, clotted cream. Yeah, you put that on top of a nice oh. scone. Okay. Um, they get a lot of really good stuff there. That sounds nice. Within two weeks of announcing their exciting Elven Feast, tickets were nearly sold out. Word of the delicious fun to be held at Apothecates is spreading. And though the May Feast is almost at capacity, there will be more to attend. The Orc Feast will be happening in July. The Orc, nice. orc Feast? Yeah. You, you, you watch like... I've never uh, feasted with an orc. Okay. Yeah. But you know the the Tolkien... Yeah. Oh, all yeah. That I know the reference. Okay. I know right. the reference. Right. Uh, the second annual Heroes Feast will be held in October. They are super excited about the orc feast because the menu has been a challenge to develop, but they're having so much fun figuring it out. Yeah, they're going to have a live entertainment, Bell, Book, and Kanto. That's a Kalamazoo-based uh, group of minstrels that offer uh, a truly unique musical experience paired with goofy antics and shenanigans. I love shenanigans. Love shenanigans. Yeah. Um, Especially they, when minstrels do it. Absolutely. They add so much atmosphere with their silliness and their music, music musicianship is wonderful. That's what Laura says. Uh, and they love them. They're great. They're, great. Uh, they're super excited for this feast. It's been uh, such a big hit. Just, I mean, you got to see just some of the pictures uh, yeah. of the place, the the spread of some of the uh, previous things that they have. Um, but it's it's really awesome. And where can people see the pictures? Of course, at MoodyOnTheMarket.com. <laughs> Jocelyn Tuzinski uh, wrote that full story. A lot of really good stuff. Get you some more info on not only the events, but if you want to check out that space uh, and learn more about Apothecary Teas and some of the cool things they have coming up. Tea is fun, amazing, and versatile. Yeah. And, I did, and, you know, when looking at that stuff, I don't know what elves eat. I don't know what's going to be on the menu. I'm looking forward to that. But even an orc, or orcs, orcs yeah. I don't know what they eat. I feel like orcs probably <clears throat> eat with their hands. Oh, absolutely. You know? And if you watch any of the movies or read the books, they're just, they're they're eating all kinds of stuff. Do they eat and elves? Uh, I think so. Okay. I think they eat all kinds. Bones and of, yeah, all? Whatever they can. Bones I think and they all. even eat each other at some point. <laughs> um, but yeah, check out that full story at MoodyOnTheMarket.com and the Moody on the Market app. Uh, and stay in the know with what's going on in Southwest Michigan. And your Moody on the Market update brought to you by Insurance Management Service. Call IMS today, your local auto owners agency with locations in St. Joseph and in Niles.